It's time for the 8 Brady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and former New Mexico State Aggie and Baltimore Ravens linebacker Jimmy Cottrell. Every Saturday morning, the guys will discuss the week's biggest sports stories, news and notes from around New Mexico, and unique insight on how to help get the most out of every athlete, from the pros to the weekend warriors and everyone in between. Now, here's Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the 8 Grady Sports Show. I'm Jordan Heisman, alongside my co-hosts, Kevin Banks and Jimmy Cottrell, ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. We're here every Saturday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Kevin, Jimmy, another week. Yeah, good week. Good, good week, week of sports. Great week of sports. Amazing week of sports. We got a lot of stuff youth-wise and, and around uh, New Mexico that, that went on uh, this past week. Um, we have so much to unfold, though, on today's show. Um, we're talking a little college basketball, NBA. It's finally March. I think we're all happy about that. March Madness. March Madness it's is here. here. Um, and then Jimmy will be breaking down uh, the state wrestling results here in the, the last segment. Um, but first, we have a, a super special guest in studio. We have New Mexico Elite's club volleyball director and former UNM great volleyball player, Ashley Kelsey, in studio. We're going to be talking about volleyball and how New Mexico Elite is doing in year one and what exciting things are happening this spring slash summer to hopefully get your athlete slash child involved. AK, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How's everything been going? It's been pretty good. We're about halfway through the season, so I'm um, really excited for the start and, and can't wait to wrap up. That's that's awesome. Let me let me dive into a little bit of your background. Uh, let's talk and, and let's uh, highlight uh, some of the great things that you did. Um, attended James Campbell in, I'm, I'm going to mess this up, is it Eva? Eva. 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 I knew I was going to mess that I up. I would have Eva said Eva. Eva. Iwa. Yeah. I, I was going with the Iwa. E W A. Yeah, and we even talked about it off off <laughs> off uh, off the radio waves um, of how to say it, and I still mess it up. So that obviously is Hawaiian. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's awesome. Eva. Eva. Okay. Eva. Forever, ever. <laughs> In Hawaii, but went on then to play for the Lobos from 2012 to 2017. Just a crazy story here. You tore your ACL freshman year. Uh, I think maybe a little bit of like preseason ball. And then also, too, then tore your ACL your sophomore year. Same, same, same knee? Yes, that's correct. So I, uh, about two and a half weeks into being in New Mexico, um, I tore my ACL. Six months into rehabbing that, I tore it again. Uh, oh. So I was out for about 20, 21 months rehabbing uh, for my first year, year and a half uh, as a Lobo. That, that's, and obviously you can see off of athletes and Jimmy, you know, the the mental it's hard uh, you know just especially you know. being young and away from home like that, that's the hardest part that yeah. cultural shock and then not being able to play and participate yeah yeah absolutely it was i mean coming from hawaii to new mexico obviously there's a um culture shock on top of being injured not having my family um easily accessible mm -hmm. it was definitely a one of the most challenging times uh, in my life, but I, I'm glad that I stuck it out and had the village of people that I had around me to to get through um, being a Lobo because it's opened so many opportunities for me. Yeah, and obviously you, I just want to go through a little bit of your career. Uh, 1,529 digs, That's and 489 of those were your senior year. That's third most in program history. That's pretty, pretty sweet. Honorable mention, all Mountain West honoree, your senior year. Um, just a stellar career. Um, a, a fun fact about you: when I was looking up your bio, uh, one of your favorite movies is Angels in the Outfield. I thought that was awesome because that's a great movie. 
Um, love that movie. Yeah, I absolutely love that movie. It's it's very near and dear to my heart. So my my family back home, my parents, um, when I was obviously a little bit older, going into middle school, they decided to kind of foster um, some kids. And so obviously, yeah. if you know the storyline of Angels in the Outfield, um, it's basically just kind of talking about you know they're they're taking this young kid and, and really through sports. Um, developing a relationship with them and a passion for them to grow further in their life. And so it's just really something that I have had my parents do. I've seen, um, you know, my my foster siblings go through the same thing. So it's definitely something that's one of my favorite movies. That's so awesome. Tell us a little bit, you, you've kind of mentioned Hawaii and your upbringing and things like that. Tell me what it was like growing up in Hawaii. Obviously, it's a big, you know, culture of, uh, we were talking football, volleyball. It's, it's huge around around that state. But Overall, what was it like growing up in Hawaii and, and, and obviously playing volleyball and, and getting in that club scene as well? Yeah, it was very, it, it's very, very different. Um, in Hawaii, you, you basically are everyone's family, whether you're actually blood or not. Um, everyone's family, there's this sense of community. Um, I, I started off swimming at a very young age, um, and then I kind of got really tired of swimming. I, I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and so my dad said, well, I, I need you to be in some sort of sport. Um, and so we kind of just on a whim went to uh, University of Hawaii summer camp um, and had no clue about volleyball, didn't know anything. I actually started fairly late. I, I went my going into my sophomore year of high school. Wow, so you I was, just started. Yes, sophomore I was year. 15 wow. years old uh, walking into, I mean, University of Hawaii, which basically is a professional team there because we don't have any professional teams. So I'm kind of just lost and kind of, okay, well, dad said that I needed to be here. Um, you know, I was going to do my best, but I, I didn't really know anything about it. These girls are warming up and peppering and I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. Long story short, I just kind of jump in and I actually really enjoyed it. I really liked the kind of team aspect. I liked the girls that were there. I loved the coaching staff um, at University of Hawaii and at the end, my dad was like, well, I, I think that you did a good job. What do you think? I said, meh, I, I don't want to do it. Um, and he said, well, we've, we've kind of got a problem on our hands. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, the coach of the University of Hawaii talked to me and said that I need to get you into club ball. And I mean, I was like, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what club volleyball was. And so I was like, okay. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a family where it was very much, my dad was very militant. So it was, you kind of just yes ma'am yes sir and you do what you're told um so I said okay and that's kind of where my volleyball career began I didn't even know that it was going to end up that way um I ended up trying out for high school that following my sophomore year in high school um and I made varsity and I mean again still not really knowing the sport not really knowing what I had gotten into but for some reason I just I loved the sport I just loved what it did, how it made me feel. It was kind of my escape from everything, right? For just, just something different. Um, and so that's kind of how my volleyball career started. And, and I'm forever thankful for my dad for kind of pushing me in that direction and, and really for the University of Hawaii coaching staff at the time, which was Dave Shoji, uh, Mike Seeley, um, some of the all-time great coaches at University of Hawaii to kind of really push me and my family into, into that decision. So is club volleyball big in Hawaii? I mean, what's the biggest sport? Like you said, you started at 15. Did you even know anything about volleyball? No, I, I didn't know very much about it. I knew a lot of people in 
like my high school played, um, but I, I didn't realize how big it was until I got on the scene. Uh, but it's for girls, especially it's the biggest club um, sector for sports in Hawaii. Wow. I know like going to different areas across the world, like, right. I was just in New Zealand. Yeah. Netball is a big thing. You're looking at me like, what is netball? I had no idea. Never heard of it. Exactly. No. It's one of the biggest sports in New Zealand. What is it? So it's basically basketball without a backboard. Whoa. But it, it's more, it almost seems like it's more cultural. When I was thinking, sense. yeah, when I was thinking about netball, I was like, is it something to do with like, I always see those like trampoline basketball. Oh, that's slam you know? ball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Slam ball. That's true. Slam ball. That's true. Yeah. Netball I think, is... I think we should bring slam ball to Albuquerque. <laughs> I, well, Jordan Jones, who is here in Albuquerque, yeah. he was actually on the slam ball championship team out in Vegas. No kidding. And he's here locally. Maybe we can get that going. Oh, absolutely. We can. <laughs> anyway, going back to AK. <laughs> so volleyball, you know, I don't know culturally. Is there something or a sport that the culture migrates to? Volleyball is something, especially being volleyball beach sport, right? Sand volleyball. That's that's great. I didn't know if if it was big court volleyball or not. Absolutely. I think really where it derives from is like you said, I mean, we are surrounded by an ocean and I think a lot of people really gravitate to sand volleyball or what we call beach volleyball. Um, And I think there's a massive kind of interest or flow then into indoor volleyball because they kind of balance each other out, right? We we see that people that cross train um, in indoor and in beach are significantly better um, in both of those sports and they excel a lot more in those sports. So I think they do become very hand in hand where they are very similar in a sense, but they're also very different. Um, but I think that's where our culture of volleyball comes from is kind of that beach volleyball sense. Hey, I get to go, go out on a boogie board, hit a wave, come back and play some beach volleyball. I mean, what more can you ask for? Exactly. Um, and so when we figured out that we could kind of take that into a gym and do the same thing, um, that's, that's really where we built our culture, um, of Hawaii. So, okay, going back to your story and your kind of history, walk us through the recruiting process, what that looked like for you. I'd imagine um, from the mainland to, to Hawaii was a little bit different. Um, and then what made you choose UNM and how did that transition you know, work? Like we mentioned culture shock. How did, how did that look for you? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my recruiting process, obviously being 15, 16 years old when I started, um, I will say I was very much on the fast track. Obviously, I'm a little bit behind being a freshman or sophomore. I'm not. I'm not too behind, but I, but I'm a little behind and kind of not knowing anything about recruiting. Not even really knowing at that point that my end all goal would be to play college ball. Um, but that following spring, so I had one year of club season. At the end of that club season, I started getting these letters. And again, I was like, I don't know what this means. I have no idea. So we kind of had to get a recruiting coordinator that was in Hawaii. And I just, hey, like, can you explain what this means? You know, my, my parents um, played sports, but had nothing to do with volleyball. My dad's track and field. My mom was basketball. Um, so, you know, we were as a whole family, very unfamiliar with volleyball and how it worked. Um, so I kind of, I mean, I remember actually throwing away my first letter because I just didn't, I didn't know the value of what it was. Um, and until I, I reached out to this recruiting coordinator and she was like, no, those are important things. These are things that we need to keep track of. Um, then they kind of just, you know, kind of kept coming in. And so then I was like, you know, I have to make this decision of, of what I want to do moving forward, right? Is this something that I'm really going to immerse myself in? Club volleyball, obviously, in general, no matter where you're at, gets pretty expensive. But particularly in Hawaii, all of our tournaments are what we call on the mainland. Um, so that's easily a $500 trip 
one way for one person. Um, so we really had to have a conversation as a family to say, Hey, like, is this really what we want to do? And I had loved it so much that we ended up kind of really diving into it. I mean, I've, I had tons of, of offers from the East coast. Um, but again, kind of thinking about what, and where I wanted to be. I obviously growing up in Hawaii, I'm, I'm used to really, really good weather and really good climates and, you know, a, a, an ocean greenery, all of those kinds of things. So I definitely wasn't a fan of any of the East coast schools just cause I was like, one, it's really far um, to, I, I mean, it's 75 degrees outside and I have kind of like a windbreaker on, like it's cold to me. Right. Um, so I was like, I don't know if I could spend at the time, four years in a blizzard, essentially. I was like, I'm going to be unhappy. It's not going to be good. Um, I had a couple of offers in California, but I really wanted to, my main kind of decision to answer your question about New Mexico and why I chose it is is interesting because there was personal connection and coaching connection. So Jeff Nelson, who I played for at UNM, I played under Jeff Nelson at UNM, he actually had coached the assistant coach for University of Hawaii, which at the time was my club head coach. Um, And so I really got to kind of really pick both of their brains about how they were, right? How, How was Carrie as my head coach for club and how was Jeff as a coach for Carrie? And so I really got to have this kind of bond before coming here and and coach Carey, my club coach was basically that extension or that family extension that I needed, um, for New Mexico. Then I came here on an official visit and I absolutely loved it. I loved the team, the culture, the girls were just so great. I mean, I remember being a freshman, not really knowing how this whole thing goes. And the senior at the time was Jordan Russell, who was a really great setter in her time. And she just took me under her wing. And I was like, wow, I think I could really be here for four years. I mean, obviously as it folds out, it was more like six years, Um, (laughs) but you know, so I, but I mean, even when I came here, I was like, I'm going to put four years in here and I'm done. There's no source of water. There's no, I can't go to the beach. There is tingly um, beach. <laughs> well, now. And, and I will say they, I asked my teammates, I said, Hey, you know, where's the closest body of water? Let's go. They actually took me to elephant butte. Um, and, and I said, uh, guys, I'm not getting in that. I can't see the bottom. I've got a problem. And you know, they were like, well, you're so spoiled. And, and so that's part of the culture shock that I, that I experienced here was I was like, man, there's no, I can't drive 10 minutes down the road and there's not an ocean on the other side, right? I have to drive to California or Florida to get kind mm-hmm. of that that beach feel. And so I was like, I had made it up in my mind that I was like, I'm putting in four years and I'm getting out. So um, AK, I'm going to jump in really quick. So the recruiting process, I'm going to go back to that. How much of your position and your size in terms of your height played a role in your recruiting it played it played a big role. I think, you know, I in high school at best was maybe five nine. Um, so I wasn't the tallest. Um, I was very late into volleyball. So I think my experience or lack thereof uh, was also kind of a risk that some colleges were willing to take and other colleges weren't. Um, I played as an outside, um, which in the club or excuse me, in the college realm five nine outside is is pretty tiny i mean i barely touched 10 feet in high school so it, it there was a lot 
of, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, odds stacked against me. And so I think that's why um, I had more, I would say, smaller um, Division One schools that were interested in me, like University of New Mexico, New Mexico State, um, Santa Clara, those kinds of schools. Um, however, you just really have to find your niche and in, in really what the program wants. And, and really, I think... I didn't realize this while I was in the recruiting process, but definitely when I was at the college and and shortly after, I realized that all of those statures or all of those things, your height, your weight, how high you jump is really minuscule to these college coaches. It's about you being a good person. It's about you being able to balance academics and athletics. That's those are the things that they're looking for. If you're able to do that, they can kind of shape you and mold you into the things or the athlete or the volleyball player that they need. Um, but they want to make sure that they're bringing in somebody to their culture, to their program, that's going to uphold their standards and uphold the culture that they've worked really hard to build. No, that's awesome. Good point. Um, now let's talk about a little bit of life after volleyball for you mm-hmm. and a lot of great things going on. Um, I was fortunate enough to be kind of on the, the back end of, um, I'm really thankful that I sent you a text and I think we go back to that saying, okay, like New Mexico elite started with one text and now we're kind of here, mm-hmm. but I want you to kind of explain to the listeners, New Mexico elite in general, the club, um, we're at the field house, um, our partnership with New Mexico volleyball, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Yeah. Um, like you said, I, I think about it every day, that message. I It was such a random message. I was actually, for once, kind of just chilling at my house, kind of not doing anything, which is which is very weird. And I, I get this message from Jordan that just says, hey, you know, we're, we're starting a new or we would like to start um, a new club um, out of the field house. And, and we're interested to kind of bring you in. And I remember just kind of staring at it and I... I honestly didn't think it was real, you know, because it was something that I had really wanted. I mean, I've, I've volleyball has done a lot for me. Um, and, and I feel very, um, blessed and fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. And so I called my dad right away and I said, Hey, I don't know if this is, you know, real or not, but I mean, I'm going to go to an interview next week and we're going to see how it goes. Um, and, and it's really the, the best decision that, that I've made. I mean, like you said, New Mexico Elite, we wanted to bring in kind of a, a new aspect for Albuquerque, Rio Rancho area athletes that wanted something just a little bit different than than what's been offered um, in our volleyball community. We really preach holistic training, right? We, we talk about in being an athlete, it's not just about how high you jump, how hard you can hit the ball, how good you are with the volleyball things, right? We wanted to build a culture where we can raise or create opportunities for women and men to go out there and be better people and to have these life lessons. And I think that's what makes New Mexico Elite much different than any other club um, in town is that we we're, we have mental training every month. We have um, a great partnership with UNM and John Newman Goncher. He comes, he works with our coaches, he works with our athletes. Uh, we have our strength and conditioning package that really thinks about kind of the ebbs and flow of being on the road and what it's like to be going into the travel tournament and, and, and what that looks like as far as taking care of our body holistically so that we can perform at that very high level when we're championship Sunday going after um, a big 
bid for a national qualifier. Mm-hmm. That's awesome stuff. So, uh, AK, looking ahead, what are your goals for NM Elite moving forward, and how do girls get involved from the club aspect to the summer camps? Yeah, so how you get involved, I mean, I... I, we always have an open door policy at the field house. You could always come. I, I'm there. We, or we have coaches and things there that are able to talk to. Um, we have a website as well. We have our Facebook and our Instagram. Um, you can email me as well. Uh, we really, like I said, if, if, if it's something that you think you want to be a part of, um, we would love to chat with you and, and see if it is the best fit for you. We are offering um, summer camps this summer. They're going to start in June. Uh, we're offering basically specialized training so more position specific and then we also have kind of whole holistic all skills trainings um from all the way from eight years old to 18 years old and and they're both co-ed as well so so we'll take uh male and female really what we're looking for is just an athlete that has that fire to want to get better or or want to explore um um, volleyball and see what what that's what that's about and i just got to say before kevin takes us into break i think what we're doing and what you are doing more importantly is is awesome for the volleyball community around albuquerque um it was a great hire for us i think new mexico elite is going to in the future just you know uh, excel and and be that spot to be and that's obviously with your leadership and the coaches that we have um at the field house and with new mexico elite in general yeah, thank you i appreciate that I, I i want nothing more than for new mexico elite to to be the club that everyone wants to be at. AK, thank you for being here today. Appreciate all the insight, your background. Keep doing what you're doing. You're an amazing director for Enemy Elite, so keep it up. All right, we'll head into a commercial break. When we return, we are talking NBA and college basketball. It's March Madness time. We are in March, Jordan. I love it. Jordan Heisma, Jimmy Cottrell, I'm Kevin Banks. This is the 8th Greatest Sports Show, ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Welcome back to the 8th Grady Sports Show. I'm Jimmy Cottrell. Catch Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and myself, Jimmy Cottrell, every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. here on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. NBA. You've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of drama going on this year, a lot of position changing. A lot of surprises, so on and so forth. So this season, and let me admit, I got to admit this. (laughs) I normally like watching college basketball. Okay. But this season with the NBA, you know, with the Lillard trade and all the movement that's been going on, um, watching Minnesota, we'll talk about rankings here in a second. Mm -hmm. But who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, you could arguably say Anthony Edwards right now is top five player in the league. Yeah, Towns. I, I know he went down with an injury maybe last week. But um, oh, he bounced right back up. Did he? Well, did he? They've been underachieving for the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Like they were right there at the bottom, ready to challenge. Do you guys know that? Uh, you might from an all-star break, but do you even know their head coach? No. Uh, 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 <laughs> do no. you know for all-star weekend? <laughs> you don't even know. Is it like Finch or something? Finch? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea his background. What I'm saying is <laughs> yeah. uh, Chris Finch. Um, what, Finch. I, what I'm saying is, is I have no idea about their team besides, you know, you know uh, I, th- they're winning. What got me interested in Minnesota is the fact that, uh, obviously, Edwards, right? And then you have Cat. Mm-hmm. But the Rudy Gobert trade last season, I think that was monstrous, and that made me pay attention because of that. Defensively, I wanted to see what the Twin Towers looked like. Well, and it's that, that's not in years past or, you know, the, the, the Warriors dynasty. It's like, let's play 
Draymond Green at the center. We're not going to go with any big. Nope. So Draymond Green's what six nine, six yeah. eight. And when Gobert went to Minnesota, I was like, okay, are they going to like slow the ball down because you got two big guys? But but Anthony Towns can can shoot Town, threes. Towns can shoot and yeah. he can run. Right. Gobert can run as well. He he gets down the floor, up and down. He's not a. I call him the sloppy post that he's yeah. like Jar Jar Banks, just kind of flopping down the court, <laughs> staying right. down low. You got, you got like really like mud boots on, you know, like he's very <laughs> slow and, 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 uh, you know, sticky to the floor. Uh, you know, yeah, no, there, you know what, if you look around the NBA, I don't really see kind of traditional centers. Like really, if you think about it, there's not really a post position center. Could you throw Bam in there? See Bam from the heat. Bam is athletic. Yeah. That's true. He, he can get up shoot. and down. Yeah, no. He'll shoot a mid-range. He'll go traditional post move here and there. But he'll also take you off the dribble. Okay, so going off of that, though, talk about a team like Milwaukee who makes the oh Lillard God. trade. But then I was questioning the trade. Damian Lillard obviously is really, really good. I was questioning, I think Drew Holiday did more for that team than what people realized. His yes. defense, what he's doing for Boston right now, he may not show up in the the necessarily the stack column, no. but his defense has been superb always. You know, when they made that trade, when they announced the trade that Damian Lillard was going to the Bucks, I actually got excited and I thought championship. The only reason that I say championship is because I think Giannis and Damian have the same mentality. They're workhorses. They don't care about the off-the-court stuff. They don't care about how they look when they're walking into the games. They get on the court and they're ready to play. They're not making friends out there. They're hooping. And that's what I love about those two being together because I think they're going to push not only themselves but the rest of the you team. You threw Dame in there? Was that the name that you put with Giannis? Yeah. Dame Lord? Uh, okay, so this week, I, I see that he, Jimmy, you, uh, you're shaking I'm, I'm, your head. He's very bored in Milwaukee. He's very bored in Milwaukee. No, he's bored with Milwaukee. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jimmy, I mean, come on. What's your take on, on Lillard? I mean, uh, this week I, he I was, was very critical. I was expecting more. I, I, I agree with you. Once the trade happened, I was like, oh, God, they're, they're championship contenders. Um but man, it's, there's there's something funky happening there. I don't know. He's bored in Milwaukee. Uh, he, he he doesn't look happy. You know, it's Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, come on, come on, Midwest. I mean, no, right. basketball. There's but Chicago's but right there. I got uh, it. Again, is that you know you get a couple of of superstars like that that came from maybe a big you know big city. Not saying that Portland is big, but yeah, small market. It's it's another small market, but. I think, you know, you get someone like Dame unhappy, I think that makes Giannis unhappy. And, you, and that's what they should really be concerned about. Jordan, think about the bench, though. You have Giannis's brother, all that stuff. I, I think there's a backstory that we don't know. There's a lot going on. Uh, I think they previewed or, or showed the highlight of the bench when um, Giannis's brother, I can't, what is it, Thanis? Or I don't even remember his name. And he's out in the court playing and just making crazy mistakes. I think there's something in the background going on. Coaching staff, I think there's something going on there as well. Well, what's They're your thought? Get it right. What's your thoughts on Adrian Griffin? I mean, he had uh, he was an all star coach. One of the best. I mean, what they were at the time, third in the East, right? Second in the East, right? He gets fired. Exactly. Uh, well, is that, do you agree with that or not? I don't agree with him getting fired at all. Make no mistake about it. It's I think hard in the middle of the season. It is, and I think that shifted everybody's mentality and the way everything felt and the direction they were going. You can't make those. Um, changes that way that were so drastic and think that it's going to be fluid so true uh, jimmy what's your take on uh, we've we've kind of went team to team but give us your take on the warriors they look i don't know if you've watched them as of late they've had a couple of tv games but they you know clay thompson has has talked over the recent time that his i think his time is coming uh, to an end um 
is that dynasty over? What, what what do they need to do in order to get going? I, I, I think so. I think their, their dynasty is just kind of coming to an end, right? They've just been so good and so dominant for so long. Um, I've been impressed with Clay Thompson the way he's handled it, mm-hmm. right? He's gone through some slumps, been put on the bench, coming off the bench, uh, still is able to make some clutch clutch shots coming in the clutch. Steph Curry's Steph Curry, uh, but even he's kind of losing a step a little bit. Um, I don't want to write him off because of kind of that championship DNA, you know, and, and Steve Kerr does a, a tremendous job. So, I mean, they're battling and hanging in there. But I, but for, as far as them being the dominant force in the league, I think I think that time's kind of Could, could I make bit. a prediction? Do sure. it. I, I think, we're talking Bucks warriors I would like to see Giannis in a Warriors jersey. Ooh. Ooh, that's Ooh. interesting. I would. I would. Really? Yes. Who do you move for Giannis? I, I think you give him. I mean, uh, the the one person that, that comes up that's young always is Kaminga. He's a sure. young power forward, can shoot. Uh, but then you you ditch Wiggins. Yeah, I was going to say you got to give Draymond, up a lot of your roster. Give up, give up the roster. Yeah, I see. Get they should have got rid of Draymond a long time ago. Yeah, I really do. I think it's toxic. You know what? I love Draymond when he came in the league. Of course, because he didn't talk. He didn't have a podcast. He's grimy. Yeah, well, that's that <laughs> a podcast. Uh, but he just did the, the dirty work. You he's know? a Michigan and, State guy yeah. that just he came was hungry. Blue call. Uh-huh. He was hungry. But the longer he's gone, like the, his antics are getting out out of control. And, well, uh, you you see him like doing the the four rings. Mm-hmm. That stuff kind of gets to your head a little bit. Um, I, I just miss that that eager Draymond yeah. that just plays. Yep. That plays. It's the little extra stuff that kind of makes people dislike Draymond. And I'm with you guys. If he would just get back to playing defensively, be that, that grind guy that goes in and gets the stuff that's not on the stat board. That's the Draymond I miss. Exactly. It's kind of like the Kanye graduation guy. I miss that <laughs> album. I need you to just do what you do. You know what? That's a great analogy. That is a great analogy for ESPN 101.7, the team. <laughs> just had to. Um, I want to get to two different I want to get to two different teams. One, uh, what's your guys' take real quick on on the Pacers? They're young. They're that talk about a hungry group. Love them. Um, I, I think that Siakam trade was going to benefit because I think he's going to do the the extension this summer. Correct. I think he's I think he's pretty happy there. But what's your guys' initial take on the 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 young Pacers? I am really excited about where the Pacers are going. If they can keep their young nucleus together, uh, Halliburton, he's yep. great. He's a monster. Yep. Facilitator. Makes, his, makes everybody, uh, everybody else better. He yep. really does. His court vision, I mean, I don't know. I've watched him a couple of times this season, and he reminds me of a, let me see, who, who can I kind of compare him to? A young... I don't, I, I don't know. He's, he's not comparable. I feel like it's... Oh. it's He's he's just this it's it's a young hungry guy that can get to the hoop can can put it up from the logo it's it's hard to compare. I was going to say a more skilled Steve Nash. Yeah, uh, I'll I could take see that. that. Maybe without the you know Steve was just that. Well, I guess he is a facilitator. Yep. I mean, he's a great. I saw more. I think they need to do a little bit more of him pick and roll with Siakam. I, I watched so their game the other day and I was like, ah, they could they could go a little bit more pick and roll because he's such a good passer. And I think he can score 30, but still dish 12 assists, you know, things like that. You know, um, Obi Toppin is another guy that I like. Great pickup from the Knicks. Definitely. I loved watching him, Oh, first of all, in college and then also as a Nick. I thought he got lost a little bit in New York, and I think he's found a home in Indy. Because Indy's that market that you can just, hey, give us, you know, 8 to 12 points a game and, and play some defense, and you're all right. Um Let's shift real quick to the Lakers. I know that's your team, Kevin. That is definitely um, my team. I, I'm, I'm personally not a fan, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you the mic when it comes to what your analysis is on the Lakers. Uh, we should have never won an in-season tournament. That's what I think. <laughs> Hang a banner. <laughs> we, you know, 
get a ring for the end season. <laughs> it almost felt like that was it. That was our championship for the season. Yeah. I, you know, um, the Lakers are unpredictable, especially in postseason, right? If you look at last year and what happened, who would have thought? Right. Who would have thought? Everyone wrote them off before the playoffs started, and then look what we ended up doing, right? Western Conference um, tournament, whatever. I think we may see something similar potentially, but you never know. Everyone has it. I'm going to say it. My wife's going to kill me because she loves AD. AD has to stay healthy. He's got he to. has to stay healthy. He's got to. Real quickly, transitioning, talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. It's March Madness time now. Any early picks on who could win it maybe? Maybe some Final Four teams? Anything, Kevin, I, Jimmy? I say the Lobos are going to do it. Just kidding. Oh, oh that would have been a strong hey, pick. Mountain West is tough. Mountain it West is, is tough. I, I, I'll Five put a prediction in saying that we get a uh, – Mountain West gets not Elite only eight? AQ, but they get a um, – and at large, really? Yeah, I think we're going to put two or three. The Mountain West put two or three teams in. Jimmy, I agree. Do you think? Do you think any elite eight teams out of the Mountain West? Nah, I wouldn't go that far. No, okay, okay. <laughs> I, 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 maybe. I, I mean, and once you get in a tournament, you yeah, know, who knows? But, but they have, in my opinion, they've earned the right to have more than just the automatic qualifier. How they, about they a, need a couple more? Teams how about there. a Purdue team that's uh, hovers around I the top Purdue. five yeah. all Purdue. year? But again, Purdue the last two seasons. Gotten upset, yep. things like that. Is this their year? Can they get kind of the monkey off a the deep bat? Deep run, I think so. You know, can they do a deep run? I like. We were talking off air. I like kind of one of the teams you were talking about, UConn. Yeah, uh, the, the Plays defense. defense, UConn yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tennessee, this past week. Tennessee's been the Auburn killing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to go back to UConn. I'm going to pick UConn as my favorite. Yeah. I'm going with UConn. All you know what? So I'll, I'll go with Creighton. Ooh, Ooh the Blue Jays. Like, oh, yeah. good pick, Jimmy. I like that. Creighton McDermott, Coach McDermott. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does come down to coaching and experience in that NCAA tournament. Who would be one coach that you would want in the NCAA tournament to lead your team? Oh, gosh. Real quick. Uh, uh, you catch me off guard here. Okay. Um, what's Houston's coach's name? I love him. Uh, Kel- Kelvin Sampson. Sampson. Oh, Sampson. Sampson. Yep. Who, uh, who, who would you so do? So I'm, I'm going to go completely out of the box here. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go with Jerry Stackhouse from Vanderbilt. No doubt. I, that was my favorite player growing up when he was with UNC. Shoot. Um, and having that coach, the, the experience and the connection to Dean Smith. Yeah, I really like uh, Chris Beard, Ole Miss. Yeah, okay. He was at Texas. I know he got in a little Ole trouble. Miss, Ole Miss stole him out because of that. I know, I know. I think give him a year or two. Maybe I'm, I'm still rooting for him. Maybe to get the IU job. I think Mike Woodson's out. Uh, maybe Chris Beard. Uh, I like. Maybe maybe a you know do a, does a Brad Stevens get back in the coaching uh, realm and go? Uh, does a Steve Alford from Nevada? Nevada looks pretty good. Yeah, Nevada's tough as well. They they well they got to get out of the Mountain West. All right, guys. So let's get to kind of a hot topic. Um, that came up recently, court storming in college sports, Man. college football, college basketball. Big, big topic. It is. Um, yeah. I, I, I've got my opinion. What do you guys think? Kevin, I'll let you go. You know, my question is always, how do you stop it? How do you stop it? I mean, I've seen some venues where they literally have the hand-in-hand chain around the entire uh, court floor. There, there's been some uh, some spoof clips I think it's some soccer games where they're trying to stop people, but they just kind of let them through because you can only do so much. I, I think personally, yes, it puts the athletes at risk. They could potentially get injured. It could be a fight. You never know. Um, but again, my question is, how do you stop it? I, I have a theory. I was reading a couple of, I think, coaches that were talking about this and or you know, analysis. They were saying, and I, I kind of like this because, yes, it is part of the fan experience. I think it's dangerous. I like, could we set like a shot clock of saying like, hey, here's 35 seconds or 40 seconds because a lot of times that the coaches come together and it's not even anymore like the players like wanting to shake hands, stuff like that. Okay, so an intense game and it's a, a one-point win. 
All right, we're going to give you 40 seconds. The coaches can meet. You can even not even have the players meet or, or do it. You have 45 seconds to get basically from congratulating the team and then off because then the home team might want to celebrate. I mean, sure. I, I don't know. Like that, that might be something that they want to do. But 45 seconds or 40 seconds or 35 even, does that allow for the visiting team to clear out and then allow for students to come down? I think then you talk about the safety of the, the athletes and or the safety of the student section. Sure. You got people trampling on each other, things like that. Is it is it important enough to keep it around? I, I totally get the excitement from the fans' perspective, right? Everybody's excited. Uh, we just upset, you know, the number one team. I, the, the most recent example was with Duke, uh, Wake Forest. It was Duke and Wake Forest. Duke yep. and Wake Forest. Kyle Flipowski. Uh, Flipowski gets hit. It happened a, a couple weeks ago uh, with uh, Iowa basketball and, and Kevin Clark. Clark. Um, so I, I understand it from the fans' perspective, right? Um, I think, Kevin, to your point, I think, one, the game management, right? Right. Initially, yes, you're going to have to have more staff, police officers, maybe if you're standing arm in arm, whatever, right? But initially, you have to do that to stop it. But then the expectation is you don't do it, and it goes away. Right. Agreed. I do not. I, I, I agree with the ban um, because of the situation it puts the athletes in. Do you, do you agree with the ban for all sports? I, I, I would say all sports. Yes. Be- because in, in, in my mind, OK, the football court uh, or the football field storming. I'm not touching a football player. <laughs> you know, but, you, but you see clips of, of the, the they're drop. chirping. They're chirping. Yep, who are exactly. And chirping. Mm-hmm. And if that athlete who just lost a game, mm-hmm. right, is emotional Great to begin point. with, they they do something stupid. They lose their head, and then it's the athlete's fault, right? It's it's not the drunk. They're getting suspended. Kid, boy, who, who, right. who's talking smack to him? And not to um, mention, sorry, not to uh, it ruins the field. Well, that too. It you know, ruins especially when the they court. pull down goalposts or exactly. things like that. Now, having said all of that, I do. I I would be okay with or would agree with what you were talking about. Hey, I would make it like a minute or two minutes. Let everybody get off the court. Anybody wants to celebrate can stay and then bring them down. Mm-hmm. Then you can do it in an orderly fashion, right? So mm-hmm. kids aren't getting stomped or you're not you know, jumping over bushes or whatever you're getting on, on a football field. Um, but it needs to be done if it's going to be done in a more orderly fashion and remove at least the opposing team from the situation because the ACC rules were supposed to allow for court storming after a certain time, right? They were supposed to be able to escort the visiting, the visiting team, team off out. before they came down. And in the Wake Forest due case, that didn't happen. No. Right. And we've seen uh, another, um, I just saw a clip and I, I, I lost the, the game. Oh, it was the Mississippi state Kentucky yeah. game where Mississippi state was home. They were uh, up, but with like a minute oh, left or 30 right. seconds left yep. and, and Mississippi state, Hey, you know, warning our fans. Don't, don't come on. Don't rush the court. Don't rush the court. Kentucky end up winning the game on a buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. And you got kids that are on the verge of being on the court. Again, I would agree with the total ban. Well, but if you're going to do it, give them some time, let them shake hands, get the opposing team off, and then, hey, then come down. And again, more of an orderly fashion instead of the actual storming. I totally to agree it. because also, too, we get sometimes where they have to review the play. You then have to get people off the court. In a, I, I've been in event management at the collegiate level. That's a, that's a disaster. Yes. To get probably very uh, excited fans, sure. drunk fans, off the court, that's more work than what people realize. Sure. You know, how to, how to defend this. I'm going to go extreme on both of you right now. Okay. You ever seen European basketball? It almost looks like a hockey rink, right? They have sure. glass all the way around right. the court. So the only ones that really have accessibility to the court are the players, the coaches, the officials, and those staff. If you want to completely get rid of it, you might have to do something extreme like that. But at the same time, let's reverse it. If the players want to go celebrate with the fans, go run up in the student section Bruce and celebrate. Pearl. When he was at Tennessee, he'd, right. go, he'd go up there. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. 
I Jerome just, Tang, uh, Kansas State. He goes up there. 100%. I say we ban it. Not that I have decision power. <laughs> decision making <laughs> right. power. It should be banned because of, we just said it a minute ago, you do it at a football uh, game, you ruin the field. You do it at a basketball game, there's liabilities there. You're going to run over some poor, older, younger, whatever person trying to defend the court. They're going to get trampled. I say you eliminate it so there's no liabilities, there's no issues. Nope. Players run up into the stands and student sections. Coaches run up in there, celebrate with them, and call it good. My uh, take. I think I think it's a, a good idea. Okay, I, I think sure. it's I think it's fun. I, I don't want to take out the fun. I think there's more concerns based off of it, but I don't want to take you know that, that that's fun. I think a student. If I was in the student section, and I, I think of like when Indiana beat Kentucky at Indiana, I think when they had. Um, uh, Anton or uh, Anthony Davis, yes, maybe. What oh, was that the year? I think, um, but it was a huge win for Tom Crean. It was the buzzer mm -hmm. beater by mm -hmm. um, Wofford, I think. But I remember that, and I, I remember my cousin was taking. Uh, he he was at IU, and he was taking pictures like with the IU uh, players, things like that, sure. on the court. And I just think he can remember that years from now, saying, "My God, like that. That's that's what we did, and things like that." So right. again, there's a balance, but I do think that it's a good idea to have them come up in the stands somehow, some way. But then you're still, it's like, you know. So I, I, Go ahead, going Jimmy. into this segment, I, I was completely convinced. Like, no, get rid of it, ban it altogether. After that, you, you've convinced me. I do agree with the excitement of that and uh, the memorial celebrating it. Mm -hmm. And again, a lifetime, you know, uh, memory. But again, it just, it needs to be done differently. I, I think we got to think about the athletes. Uh, exactly. And I, going back a couple years ago with Tennessee and Alabama. Right yeah. when uh, uh, Jermaine Burton punched the the female student on yes. the field, mm -hmm. like that's I'm not explaining. I'm not you know condoning anything that Jermaine Burton did in that situation, but the situ the, putting those athletes in those situations is is asking for trouble. And again, it's going to fall harder on the athlete than it is going to fall on on the student or, or the the spectator. I think Jimmy is on the fence. I stand strong and firm in my. No, no. Get there's ways it. around it. I, I think there's ways to do it. I think yeah. that, it, that, From, that you can still keep the the college feel, the you know, the passion to it, but do it right. safely, right? Absolutely. I mean, I still think that yes, like it's all about safety. I think there's ways to be like, okay, uh, we're setting a minute uh, a minute clock uh, for football. Maybe it's thirty seconds for basketball. You clear it out, and then because again, the the Tennessee Alabama when Tennessee took that field goal post and threw it in the river. Mm -hmm. I think about that. Those kids someday are gonna love that. Yeah, are gonna love that, um, but uh, that's just my take on it. Oh, I like it. Good. Thirty seconds. Give Good us some talk. time. Segway. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna head into commercial break. When we return, Jimmy's gonna dive into NMA state wrestling results and highlight some of the winners of the last uh, of this past weekend's state finals. This is Eight Grady Sports Show, ESPN Radio, one hundred one point seven. The team. Let's get back to the 8th Grady Sports Show with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and Jimmy Cottrell on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Hi, welcome back to the 8th Grady Sports Show. Jordan Heitzma, Jimmy Cottrell, and Kevin Banks. ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. Catch us every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. here on ESPN Radio. Okay, guys, so now we're going to start talking about the, uh, the other March Madness, the uh, better March Madness, in my opinion. Um, so, this past weekend, uh, the... NMAA uh, State Wrestling Championship, sponsored by, I want to say, the Army National Guard uh, at Rio, Ven Rio Rancho Event Center, uh, wrapped up. A lot of great wrestling. So it was there Friday and Saturday. Um, oh, man, I've never seen so many matches go into overtime and go into multiple overtimes. And I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm not obviously a wrestling guru, guru, guru if I can speak, but uh, 
I think it shows the athleticism these kids have by wrestling. And in, in you get the football mix, you get the you know the kids that you know might might not play any other sport, but they still compete at the highest level. And it's honestly impressive because I also had friends in high school that would do like the cuts and the the weights. You had to make weight. And they would, I mean, they were sprinting. They were wearing like three hoodies because you had to get rid of the, the water weight, stuff like that. I have the utmost respect for wrestlers. So, I, and, and, I, and I love this sport. Football's obviously my, my, my main love, but wrestling's right there behind it. Um, I will 100% admit that it doesn't take as much athleticism okay. you know, to wrestle as it does uh, to play basketball. Um, but wrestling just builds better people, yeah. right? To go through just the crucible of training, to, to suck it up and make it through a wrestling practice, let alone multiple practices in a season. Um, you've got to be tough. Do you think right? wrestling helps you at, at football? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, or and, football, and, or vice versa. Yeah, and and one hundred percent leverage, explosiveness, mm-hmm. um, aggressiveness. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of uh, parallels, and it can help in other other sports. But just the sport of wrestling itself, I think it breeds respect, mm-hmm. right? In our sport, in wrestling, you have to shake your opponent's hand before the match. You have to shake their hand after the match, regardless, and you have to go shake their coach's hand. Is there any other sport that you have to do that? Not, that I'm, not that I'm aware of. I did it in basketball. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, you, you sometimes get where you are the starting lineup and you shake the official's hand and maybe one coach, but it's not right. athlete to athlete. Right. But I think more so in combat sports. So if you look at Taekwondo, mm-hmm. there's always a respect factor beforehand. Well, and, and, and people celebrate, right? It, it's emotional, especially the state championships, right? You just, right. kids just won a state championship. I was on top of the world is celebrating. The other kid just lost a state championship and is, you know, at the lowest point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they pick each other up. Mm-hmm. Right, they shake they, they shake hands. Um, in our culture today, there there's a lot of talking. Right, so, in other sports where that culture you talk. Uh, in, in our sport, you've got you got to prove it, right? Um, and then you still have respect for the opponent. And that, that's one thing um, that I think is just tremendous. And like I said, it just builds builds good people. I'd like to highlight, uh, and I know you have a couple of names. I know there's a couple of multi, yep. I think, state champions. Yep. But I want to give a couple of shout outs to these awesome state winners. Yep. So there was so much wrestling and so much great wrestling. It's hard to get into everybody, uh, but we want to make sure we um, acknowledge you know mm-hmm. the, the the championship teams, uh, some some of the champions and, and the multiple state champions, which is phenomenal. So from the boys' side, uh, in wrestling in New Mexico, um, it's cut up into two divisions, right? So there's five A right. and four A. Um, so for the four A side, for the team scores, Bloomfield uh, took number one, Aztec was number two, and Berlin was number three. Um, for the 5A, Volcano Fista ran away with it, man. They, they, they cleaned up. Tough. Um, so they, they took number one in the state. Cleveland was number two. La Cueva came in number three. Uh, and La Cueva and Artisco Heritage were battling um, for the team within the team standings. And La Cueva ended up winning by one point, taking wow. third place as opposed to wow. fourth. Wow. Um, so that was, that was phenomenal. Um, on the boys' side, these, these gentlemen were amazing and uh, are multiple-time state champions. These two individuals are five-time state champions. Five-time. So they won it as an eighth grader and then all the way through their high school career. Before you go through those names, Mm -hmm. real quickly, as a a former wrestler, how hard is it to be even a one-time state champion, let alone a five-time? Unbelievable. It's incredibly difficult. Um, Especially, wrestling's a little bit different because you're wrestling people your size, right? Like you don't have like a traditional eighth grader matched up against a senior. There's still a strength difference there, right? A maturity, of course. even though they may weigh the same. Absolutely. Um, so obviously some experience comes in there. Uh, but to, to win a state championship five times, regardless of the state or the, the weight division, is unreal. So unreal. Nico Trujillo of Cobre uh, was a five-time state championship this year. And Bryson Valdez of Aztec 
were five times state champs. Wow, congratulations. Um, so congratulations. Those guys, those guys killed it. That's awesome. This year we had a... Uh, no four four time state champs this year, but there's going to be an opportunity because these gentlemen, um, some of them are underclassmen, uh, were three time state champs. Where uh, Roman Luttrell from Cleveland won to three t- won it for the third time. Uh, Cruz Martinez from West La Vegas, Las Vegas won it for a t- third time this year. Um, and Mason Posa, um, manned after my own heart, linebacker for for La Cueva's football team. Okay, 215 pound weight class. What I placed in when I when I wrestled. Um, great kid, great wrestler, fun to watch. Um, I think I, we need him for the show. He's I, I, been getting and, some and I think really I can, good I think I can get him, so we'll, right. we'll be talking to that gentleman. Right. Um, but just the way he wrestled it, I, I very much identified with it, resonated with me. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And then uh, girls wrestling. I was yeah. going to It's the, the second time, second year uh, that it's been an official sport in New Mexico. Wow. Um, and uh, across the nation. They're, they're starting them up, if not having you know, gone for a couple of years. I know in Colorado, where I previously came from, this is the third year, uh, and they're already up to three divisions That's in Colorado. Awesome. Um, New Mexico only has one division right now for the girls, um, but the participation numbers are going through the roof. So um, they, uh, we're, we're going to see some, some really good wrestlers. Um, actually, I wanna get, I actually am going to highlight um, some undefeated Ooh. women That's great. in the state of New Mexico that went all the way through this year, won their state championship, and did not lose a match. But for the team standings, um, this year Cleveland won the Girl State Wrestling Championship. Artisco Heritage came in second, and Farmington came in third. Looks like Cleveland's cleaning house. Cleveland's got, got a Volcano Vista, Cleveland. Volcano. They, got, they got some good athletic programs, but especially their wrestling side. Um, so real quickly, um, on the girl side, some girls we wanted to highlight at the 114-pound um, division. I'm going to butcher this young lady's name, and I'm so sorry. Loriana Pesetwe uh, from Miramara. 43 and 0. 43 That's and 43 and 0. Um, Unreal. We had the, the so the next weight class up at 120. Sasha Gonzalez from Socorro was 31 and 0, the state champ. Jeez. Um, we had there was one or two others. Hold on, let me. So here we go. Uh, from the 145 uh, weight division, Jade Blackheart from Los Alamos was 36 and 0. And then 152, uh, Jaden Meadows from Sandia. Was thirty eight no? That's, That's incredible. Awesome. Um, so to go, I mean, to win a state championship is, is impressive in itself. But to go undefeated in a given and, year is uh, pretty remarkable. And we've talked so, a lot since we've kind of taken over the show on like mental toughness, absolutely. and bringing it every single. You know, we've talked to the Bella Hines of the world and right. two time NBA champ Cliff Levinson and our special guests that we have. You know, AK for this segment, Ashley Kelsey, and we've talked about that. To go undefeated at the 42 and O's, 38 and O's, that's impressive stuff. And you got to bring it every single time. Yep. And, and congrats to, to all of them. Yep. So, congratulations to all the state placers. Um, the teams that, uh, or the wrestlers that qualified, it was, again, amazing wrestling, really competitive. Um, I wish we had more time. I mean, we could do a whole show. Yeah. You know, there's just so many participants. Um, but we wanted to highlight some of the, some of the, Amazing and outstanding accomplishments of, of the high school wrestlers, and so that was that was fun to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Great topic, great sport that never really gets the shine like basketball, football. So love to keep doing this. Well, that'll wrap us up for this week, the Eight Grady Sports Show. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Catch us, Jordan Heisma, Jimmy Cottrell, and myself, Kevin Banks, next Saturday morning, eight to nine a.m. on the Eight Grady Sports Show, ESPN Radio, one hundred one seven, the team. Thank you for listening to the 8th Grady Sports Show on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team with Jordan Heitzma, Kevin Banks, and former NFL linebacker Jimmy Cottrell. Come back every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. for the latest news and analysis from every corner of the sports world.